Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to get in the middle here. Kind of. Uh... All right. Well, everyone, uh, you may or may not know me. I've uh, had the opportunity to come and speak here at Blue Jean many times and uh, really, really love Blue Jean, love, uh, you know, what y'all do for the community, what y'all do for Teen Challenge. Uh, but my name is Emlyn Bailey, and I'm the program director of the Men's Center for Alabama Adult and Teen Challenge here in Selma. Technically, we're in Jones, but I think that nobody other than y'all knows where Jones is, so, uh, so we just call ourselves Selma. So before we get started, I just wanted to uh, share a little bit of church history with you. So in the early 1700s, there was a movement called the First Great Awakening, where revivalists all across the United States, it was the 13 colonies at that point in time, would preach these huge revivals and men and women were coming to Jesus. And the reason that a lot of historians believe that America declared its independence was from a chant that was started out of these meetings that said, no king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. So that's really... And truly, the lifeblood of our nation is started on a declaration of freedom because the Lord set us free. So that's just a, you know, just a little history lesson for you this morning. Uh, that one's for free. So, um, so we're here today to get to talk about Teen Challenge, and I'm sure that many people here are familiar with Teen Challenge. I don't have to, you know, school everybody what Teen Challenge is. Normally when I come into these uh, times where I get to sh share the ministry, I start out by talking about the history of Teen Challenge, how we got started. So we're going to fast forward all through that, right? And about 11 years, was it 11 years ago? About 11 years ago, uh, there, there was a teen challenge, a heart of a, of a group of men in this uh, community that they wanted to start a, uh, a home for children. Uh, and that was the start of our teen challenge center. Now, upon building that home for children, uh, the Lord really directed them in a different path. And so they agreed to lease that home that we have in Jones, Alabama, to Teen Challenge, uh, just on a trial basis. And at the dedication of the property, it was actually deeded over to Teen Challenge, and that is our facility out there in Jones, Alabama. And uh, a lot of those men that are part of that are in the building in the building right now. Brother Mel, Brother Bob, you know, y'all y'all were a part of that. And so uh, that that center out there would not be there without men and this community in here right here and that's how much of a lifeblood y'all are for our center and teen challenge so we're we're really really we call blue jean our home church you know because of so much that y'all do for us and pour into our men so i'm gonna start us off with a scripture here this morning luke chapter 13 starting in verse 6 says he also spoke this parable he meaning jesus so Jesus also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. 
Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this tree, and I've found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone for this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. You see, the students that come to Teen Challenge are the tree in this parable right here. For years and years, the students that come to our program have lived a life not producing the fruit that God had intended them to produce. And I can tell you this because I myself am a te- was a Teen Challenge student. I myself came to Teen Challenge the same way that these men come to Teen Challenge because I did not produce the fruit of a life that God created me to produce. And we all have the masters in our, in our life. We have the judges that said, cut it down. You're not worth it anymore. You might as well go to prison. We have family members that said, I'm cutting you out of my life. You've drained me too much. I'm not having anything to do with you anymore. But thank goodness that we have someone in our life that is willing to step up and say, not, not yet, not yet. And that person is Jesus. That person, that man is Jesus that's willing to say, look, you may not have been producing the fruit that you're supposed to produce, but maybe you just haven't had the right care. Maybe you just haven't had the right fertilization. Maybe you just haven't had an opportunity to really, really grow and flourish in the way that you're supposed to grow because of where you came from. So that's what we seek to do at Teen Challenge. We are a 12-month discipleship program for men and women with life-controlling issues such as drug and alcohol addiction. We're not a rehab. We're not a treatment center. We're a program where we have people that come in with things that control their lives, and we teach them, you can be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. And that's our mission. That's what we do. I want to share a little bit of statistics with you. In 2019, in the United States, there were 20 million people that were diagnosed as an addict. These are people that have received a diagnosis from a doctor saying you are addicted to something, whether it be alcohol, prescription pain medication, any other kind of, kind of medication. There was 20 million addicts in 2019. In the year 2020, that number doubled to 40 million diagnosed addicts in the United States of America. These are just people who have received a medical diagnosis of addiction. These are not the people who are trying to work their addiction and hide it from their family. It's not the people that are homeless on the street because of their addiction. And it's not the people that are incarcerated because of their addiction. In 2015, in the United States, there were 50,000 drug overdose deaths. These are just deaths from overdose. In the year 2021, there was over 100,000 people who died from drug overdose in the United States. And again, these are just directly drug overdose deaths. These are not people who have died from complications from their addiction, like liver disease. These are not people who have died in a car wreck because of their addiction. These are not people who are incarcerated because of their addiction. And these statistics do not show the broken families that are left behind because of addiction. 
I don't share these numbers to alarm people. I share them to, to show that there is a huge problem in our country of drug addiction. Drug addiction is affecting everybody. It affects everybody. Everybody, if I took a poll in here, most people would have a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, a loved one that is affected by drug addiction. So when we have students come into our program, most of them have been to jails. Most of them have been to rehabs. A lot of them have been to prison. And we come in and we say, hey, there is a better way of life. Let me show you. So I've been program director for almost a year now. Sister Charlotte and I moved from Texas to come take over as program directors uh, into July last year. And we love the ministry of Teen Challenge. The ministry of Teen Challenge works. And we want to share that with you today. So I've asked for volunteers, for guys to come up and share their story. Uh, we're going to stick to the volunteers, but I might call somebody who didn't volunteer. So, Brother Blake, you want to come on up here? I don't see you wrote anything down. Morning. Um, my name is Blake. I'm uh, 24 years old. Um, okay, so growing up, I was uh, in a single parent home. Only my dad and my sister. You can do it. Hey, Brother Blake. Brother Blake. Come on, Blake. No, no, come on, come on. All right, so Blake. Blake, come on, Blake. You're gonna, you're gonna do it. So you grow, grew up in a single parent home. Blake, what brought you to Teen Challenge? So, what brought me to Teen Challenge is. Uh, I was tired of living the life that I was living. I was tired of living a drug-free or drug and alcohol life. And so I decided to come here. Actually, I was in jail and I was on the phone with my sister and my sister said, I'm giving you two options. You can either go to jail or I can send you to Teen Challenge. So I came to Teen Challenge. And Blake... What were you doing that landed you in jail? Um, I had a drug, alcohol problem, domestic violence. I wasn't living a good life. I was, uh, I was living a carefree life. And what's changed since you came to Teen Challenge? So what's changed is and I'm living a, I'm I'm living for the I'm living for the God now. God's number one in my life or he's and he's like came together and he's restored my relationships with my dad, with my sisters. God's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Come back. Now, what do you plan to do after Teen Challenge, Blake? Probably go home. 
All right, you can go sit down. Uh, all right, so Brother John, you want to come on up here? Yes, sir. Yeah. morning. Uh, I'd like to take just a moment uh, for those of you that attend church here and uh, give respect where respect is due. Brother Bob and Brother Josh, you have some great leadership here at this church. Um, so give them a round of applause. They, they deserve it. Um, I'm 42 years old. I have a daughter and a wife. I've been married almost 17 years, actually, next week. Uh, and I'm blessed. I don't deserve. I don't deserve that. Um, I came to Teen Challenge. I was broken, hurting. I didn't know what to do. I had thoughts that weren't mine. Thoughts of hurting myself. Um, and uh, I just sat there and scratched my head and shook my head, and I was like, "What? What has happened to me?" Uh, my wife and I were involved in ministry, and uh, it just goes to show you that Satan is not a discriminator of persons. He'll, he'll come after whoever he chooses to come after, but God is not a discriminator of persons either. And uh, there was a word given to me when I came to Teen Challenge that he set me free from my addiction of alcoholism. And I believe that and I stand on that. And I look back and I didn't have any physical withdrawals. I had nothing like that. Um, so I thank God and I praise him for what he's doing in my life. He's, he's given my family back to me. Um, they actually want me to come, come home and spend time with them. They, they wouldn't even stay at the house with me before I came here. Um, but something God's been dealing with me about and what he's been speaking to me about is, is reconciliation. And I wrote down the definition that says to, to make friendly again, to bring back into harmony. I had no harmony in my life with God. And the reason why is because I turned my back on him. And uh, he's always been there ready and willing to accept me back. Um, it, was a, it was a pride and a sin issue in my life that, that turned me away from him. And uh, one thing I thought about um, this morning was, you know, the, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, a lot of emphasis is put on the son. Um, but just think about the father. Uh, he didn't stand there and twiddle his thumbs and wait for his son to walk to him. It says he ran to his son and he embraced him with compassion and he kissed him, and he loved on him, and he gave him the best that he had. And since I've been here, I've felt the Father's love more than I have in my life. Um, I can honestly say that I knew about God, but I didn't truly know God. And, and he's revealed himself to me in such a way that I, I didn't think was possible. And every day I wake up and I just thank him because it just, just he's good. And he's, he's always there for me. And um, my relationship grows, grows deeper with him each day. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for this ministry providing a safe place 
that I could come and get reacquainted with, with who I know as my Heavenly Father. Um, so thank you for letting me share. So uh, I got one more volunteer, and then I'm going to pull somebody. But before I do that, I just want to um, kind of explain how our program works, because a lot of people, you know, might not know. So when a student comes in, the very first thing that we seek is to meet physical needs. So a lot of our students get dropped off by the sheriff's department. That was me. Uh, I came in, and I only had the britches that were on my backside and, and the pair of shoes that I had when I went to jail. So... As soon as a student comes in, we say, what do you need? We've built ourselves a closet on site that we have brand new underwear, undershirts, socks, brand new items. So as soon as they walk in the door, we're meeting that physical need. We have, we have uh, gently used clothes and shoes. We have toiletry items. We have uh, you know bedding, all that stuff on site. So as soon as they show up in the door, they feel welcome. They know that this is a safe place because if they don't stick around long enough, we can't help them, right? So we're seeking to meet that physical need immediately. Then from there, we're going to assign them to a life coach. Now, we're not professional counselors, so we don't call ourselves counselors, but a coach is there to pull the best out of their athletes, right? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to pull the gold inside of them that we know that it's in there. I don't really like the word destiny because that implies that I don't have a, a, a choice in it, but I'd rather like like the word purpose. We try to pull that purpose out of them, right? Show them the direction that the Lord has for them so that they can then make the choice whether or not that they're going to follow it. Now, when a student comes in for the whole year, it is a, it is a $650 to $700 intake fee for the entire year. Uh, now, I don't know if you're familiar with other traditional programs, but the costs can be in the thousands and the tens of thousands for that treatment. Now, we get students in, we know that there, that there is, this is life and death, so we're going to get them in as fast as we possibly can, and, uh, and cost is not necessarily a barrier for us. We do have scholarships available, we do have other ways to help, but in order for the student to support themselves while they're in the program, they will be assigned a work assignment. Now, I know that you've seen our lawn crew out cutting grass, but we also have other work assignments, uh, such as such we've worked for Mr. Gilmer in the past, and we also go and work at Bush Hog here in town. Now, that does a couple things. Number one is gets the student out of the house because if all they did was stay at our house for a year, they'd go crazy, right? But number two is teaching them job skills. Now, some students may come in, they've held a job their whole life. But if you're like me, I had never held a job in my entire life. And so Teen Challenge taught me what it meant to be a man. And that means getting up and going to work and being able to provide for my family that way. And the really great thing about working at Bush Hog is we have a relationship with Bush Hog that they will hire the students after graduation. Now, like I mentioned, a lot of these students have been to prison before, and it is nearly impossible for a multiple felon to find an employment in the United States of America. But Bush Hog will hire them on with health insurance, with a good paying job, and, uh, and Selma as a community embraces these students, and so it's really great. But we also try to 
uh, have opportunities to provide opportunities for the students to encounter the Lord. And one of the things that we do that we started is twice a year, we shut down all of our work assignments, we shut down all of our normal classes, and we have what we call renewal week. And now renewal, a renewal is when I get that my insurance in the mail and they said, do you want a renewal? It's a, it's a signing up again, right? And so twice a year we have what we call renewal week where we offer an opportunity to say yes to Jesus again. And and we have one of that one of those weeks coming up, not this week, but next week. So we're really expecting the students to really encounter God during that time. The one that we had at the beginning of this year was really, really powerful. And I want to actually invite somebody up that was part of that week. Brother Matt, I know you didn't volunteer, but you're getting voluntold to come up and share your testimony. <laughs> Well, uh, I've gave my testimony a few times at other churches, and every time it's always the same. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Matt. Um, I was born in Amory, Mississippi. Um, I stay in Columbus. Um, I love these guys over here. I just want you to know this is a great group of guys, man, and, and uh, they, they hold me accountable daily. And uh, All right, um, let's get down to what the Lord is doing in my life. Um, I'm going to give you a little recap of how I got here. Um, I called my sister one night, beat down from the world, guys. When I tell you the world had me as low as you can get, a piece of paper couldn't get in between us. And uh, I was bawling my eyes out. And um, she's like, I don't know what to do for you, Bubba. I said, well, we got to do something. Like, someone's got to give. And um, I could not go back to prison. I've done my whole 20s in and out of prison. And I couldn't go back. And... So she called Brother James, um, James Hughes. He's the director at Bay Manette, and this is on a Thursday night, and um, I'm crying. You know, a grown man. I'm tattooed. I've been in it, you know, and I'm bawling. And, and they knew it was serious then. Like, he's going through something that's really bad, and, and I didn't know what it was. And he said, man, you're going through, like, some bad spiritual warfare, and I didn't even know what that was at the time. And, um, man, when I tell you it was bad, the it's what I needed and the Lord let me see some things and show me some stuff like hey if you don't wake up this is what's going to happen to you and man I came running <laughs> I came running I got to um, the Selma Center on Monday morning and I got in there that through the weekend and my sister put me on her couch um, the whole time would not take her eyes off of me because I mean I was a drug I mean Drugs ruined my life. I mean, it took my kids. Um, when I went in the first time, my daughter and my son were four and five. I didn't get to see them again until they were 14 and 15, okay? So I've done, you know, some bad things in my life. But God, forgive me for all them things. And I know this to be true. You know, I believe in the word. And then um, I got to Teen Challenge, and my buddy right here, he'd read me the Bible every night because I was withdrawing so badly from pain medicine because I've took pain medicine my whole life for 22 years. I'm 36, and I've been on since I was 14. And um, so he'd read me the Bible <laughs> and uh, put me to sleep, man. And I don't even think nobody knows that, but he sure <laughs> did. Uh, I couldn't go to sleep. Uh, I would kick and toss all night long when it got on his nerves, man, but he, he dealt with it. And... Um, <laughs> These guys, they have they have been here with me, and they have. When I first got here, I mean, I, I was terrible, um, poor. If anybody's ever dealt with drug addiction, especially pain medication, you 
you have withdrawal, the enemy used it on you so badly to where you, you want to go get it no matter what. And, and I remember I was, this one morning I was, finna, I was finna call my mom and I was like, you know what, I'm done. I am done. You know, I was hurting so bad. And uh, she called the center, matter of fact, and said, your daughter said she wants you to keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, wow, God, you was on time, man. That's all I needed to hear to push me a little further. And then a little father. And then one morning we was having spiritual emphasis uh, week. And this is when God showed up and showed out in my life. And uh, all these guys were witnesses. Um, I got filled with the Holy Spirit like unamazing. Like it was the best thing ever. And um, yeah, it was, it was wild. Now. <laughs> but uh, it, is, it is very real. If anybody doubts it, don't doubt it. Because I was a doubter. So it's real. <laughs> It is real, and Jesus is real. But, um, man, I'm just thankful to be here, and all the glory goes to God. There's nothing I have done besides surrender myself and my heart to him. And, uh, man, he showed up and showed out, man, and I love him, and I thank him for it. So thank you for letting me share. So, Matt, uh, what's the plan after Teen Challenge? What do you want to do? Oh, I'm going to stick around somewhere. I got, uh, I got to help young men like, like these guys and myself that have been in and out of prison, drug addiction, uh, alcohol, whatever the case may be. I mean, pornography even. Uh, anything, man. My, my job, and I know my job is to help. I mean, I, I've got a desire in my heart to, to learn more and more of the word. That way I can share it to fellas like myself that have never heard the word in their life. I mean, I, I can remember a time that I was in lockup for over 45 days at Limestone Prison Facility, and I never picked up a Bible. And it was in there with me the whole time. Never would even look at it. So, And I wish I would have, but hey, <laughs> God still showed up in my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. All right, I have one more uh, student that I'm going to invite up to share. Hank, come on up here, brother. How y'all doing? Uh, this is my second time in Selma, Alabama in the Teen Challenge program. Uh, I came to Blue Jean. We used to come to Blue Jean every morning at like 8 o'clock every Sunday and then go to church at another church after we left Blue Jean. And it was probably, it was probably the best experience, one of the best experiences in my life that I had ever had. <clears throat> Uh, so I commend Blue Jean, and we thank y'all for everything that y'all do for us, Brother Bob, Josh, and uh, Mr. Gilmer, Miss Gilmer. Uh, I'm going to give y'all a little background story about me. <clears throat> I'm going to try not to give the devil too much credit because he don't deserve it. But <clears throat> growing up, I grew up in a uh, household with a redneck, alcoholic, drug addict father. Okay. No offense to rednecks anywhere out there. I apologize. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my father was a bad alcoholic, like I said, a drug addict. Uh, he spent most of his afternoons at the beer joint down the road on the Alabama state line. I'm from, I'm from a little place called Caledonia, Mississippi, right, side of, right outside of Ca uh, Columbus, Mississippi, where Matt's from. Uh, but I, I later moved to Columbus when I got older, but I grew up in a beer joint most of my childhood sitting on a bar stool beside my father. Well, if anybody knows what goes on in redneck beer joints, it's not good. Uh, there's violence, murder, uh, just, just 
unspeakable things go on in that setting. And that's what I grew up in. And so once I got older, after my father had went to prison when I was 13, I started dealing with all the, the teenage emotions and didn't know how to express those emotions properly. And so I expressed them the same way I seen the men express them in that beer joint when I was growing up. I started hurting people, started acting out, hurting myself, my family, uh, just started acting out, doing what I wanted to. Uh, I was troubled youth, okay? And so when I was, when I turned 18 years old, my first daughter was born. And I, uh, I changed a little bit, you know, I grew up some. I still didn't grow up fully. And, uh, and to support my family, of course, I didn't have any work, work skills or work ethic or any type of father skills because I just didn't have them. I, wouldn't, I wasn't taught how to be a father. I wasn't taught how to apply myself properly to, to society and uh, a work environment. And, uh, and so to support my family, I started to sell drugs. Started to use drugs real heavily. Uh, started to manufacture methamphetamine at the age of 18 years old. And so time goes on, and uh, I end up getting in trouble for, for sale of controlled substance. I had six counts at the age of 21 years old. And, uh, you know, I had to hire a lawyer and all this and, and drug it out as long as I could. And I, and I went through a lot of hardship between the time that I ended up getting busted until I got convicted. Uh, house fires, um, family issues, the mother of my children uh, and I split up and then I had, I had started another family after that. I had three children with the first mother. I had a child with a, with a second uh, child's mother and then I had a third child with a third child's mother. And uh, between then and there, I just I used drugs as an excuse of how my life was my entire life. Uh, the, the way I was treated by others, but then I realized it was because I treated them the way I was treating them. It's why I was treated the way I was. I didn't learn that until later on, but uh, went through some hard times. Ended up in rehab in the place that I'm from. Well, the court ordered to stay there until I completed the program. Well, I left early because I met a girl in the program. And uh, two months go by, I'm strung out on meth. The cops kick my door in and they, they get me. Okay, so I'm sitting in jail at this time with no bond, facing six counts of sale of a controlled substance. Looking at the next 30 years in prison, that's just on three of those charges. And uh, with no bond, I had, I had no idea what was going to happen to me, <clears throat> what I was going to do, how I was going to do this time, what, what was going to happen with my kids once I ended up in the penitentiary. And so I ended up in, in, a, in a lockdown by myself, 23 and 1. And I got tired of the way I was living because I just wanted something better. And so... There was a Bible in the cell with me, 
I looked at the Bible and broke down. I hit my knees in that cell. And you know, in a jail cell, legit, the specific jail cell I was in had a, a long, skinny window. It was probably this wide and about two, two and a half foot tall. I was looking out that window on my knees, praying to God, telling him, I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never do drugs again. Well, he held up on his end. Because uh, that day I sent out a scroll. If y'all don't know what a scroll is, it's a little letter that you send out in jail illegally through somebody else to go do what you need them to do. <laughs> and so I had a guy call the girl that I was with at the time and, and see what my lawyer was talking about. And well, he said, I got word back. Your lawyer said, you can go to Teen Challenge or you can go to prison. And he said, once you complete the program, I don't know what's going to happen yet. But it's going to be a lot better than what you're going to do if you don't go. And I, I had plenty of time to sit in that cell by myself to think about what I was going to do. And I felt the Lord tugging my heart. You know, I felt it. It was almost like he uh, sat down beside me and explained to me why I should do this. And so I made the decision in 2015 to come to Teen Challenge. And I, I came to this program in Selma. Uh, I did well through the program. I think I got one right up the entire time because I was in it. You know, I was in it to win it. I was ready for a change. God, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. God came into my life, was doing amazing things. And uh, well, I graduated. I went back home, bought a house across the street with my father and my stepmother. with every intention to start a ministry of my own and going into county jails and preaching, which I started. But shortly before I got to start my ministry, my father passed away. This was two weeks after I graduated this program last time. He come at me hard as soon as I got home because he knew I had every intention to work for the Lord. And I was going to be, we was going to do some things, you know. Two weeks after I graduated the program, my father passed away. Well, three weeks after that, my stepmother passed away. Mind you, I just bought a house across the street from them. They were my support system. I had no job when I got home. Had no way to pay for that house because it was a mortgage. And uh, they were my support system. So when they passed away, they were also the people that I had around me. They were the only people in that area because it was a different area from where I'm from. And those were the only two people that I actually knew in that area. So once they passed away, loneliness <clears throat> crept up on me. And then as the loneliness crept up on me, the, the enemy did as well. Well, shortly, shortly after my father and my stepmother passed away, it was probably a month, I, I, I gave in to the enemy and uh, started drinking alcohol again. And shortly after that, here come the women. And uh, to just to feel, just to try to feel that what I thought was a physical need at the time, or a physical void that I was trying to feel, but it was a spiritual and emotional. It was spiritually and emotionally what I needed to be focused on. But I failed, uh, and and after I, I partook in the immorality side of things, you know, the Bible says to flee from sexual immorality because it gives the devil a foothold. 
Well, you know, if you give him an inch, he's going to take off with it. And he don't, he don't take days off. The Bible tells us clearly, do not do this or this is going to happen. And I did it. And, and I met this girl and ended up getting her pregnant. She moved in with me two months after we met. Mind you, two months after we met, we had a son together. The relationship was miserable the entire time because we were not married. It was out of wedlock. Uh, God's not going to bless something that you, you've, you've, I'm not saying he can't, but he's not going to bless something that's not holy to start with. I don't feel like. And, uh, and a lot of my issues came from the misery that came from that relationship. I ended up going back out and using drugs just to try to deal with the emotional side of things and cope with, hey, I'm alone again. Because her and I eventually split up. And, uh, and I didn't stop using drugs until this, this year. Uh, actually, December of last year, November of last year. I ended up, I had lost my mind. I was possessed by demons. Uh, I could not control myself physically, spiritually, emotionally, or mentally. I had lost my mind. I had lost myself. And uh, I, I experienced a form of hell on earth that, that no human being should have to experience. And it's all because of the actions, my actions, and the way that I dealt with things and the way I turned my back on God and, and denied him. And I want to tell you all, even though I've done that, where it says that he'll never leave nor forsake us, he won't. Uh, he came to hell and got me. And uh, put me in a psych ward for a little while, for about 20 days, where I had a little time to think about what I was going to do with myself. And uh, my mom says, you want to go back to St. John's? I said, yes. I didn't even hesitate. I said, yes. I said, I feel like God's already put it on my heart that that's where I need to go back to. And I know I have a calling on my life. And I know, just like Jonah, if you run from your calling, it's not good. I mean, it's never good if you run from that calling. Uh, once, you, once he did that for me, and I got back here, during that spiritual renewal week that Brother Emlyn was talking about, I think we all got a fresh wind. We got a fresh wind. Uh, the Holy Spirit just came and showed out that week, baptized a lot of us. And some of us was re-baptized, and some of us were baptized for the first time in the Holy Spirit. Uh, my brother Matt that was just on stage, uh, I was sitting on a couch beside him during a praise and worship that was on the TV, and all of a sudden he just he jumps up out of his seat and starts speaking in tongues. It was, it's probably one of the most incredible things I'd ever seen because I knew him prior to Teen Challenge, and I knew the lifestyle that him and I used to live, and it was just, it was amazing to see God just jerk him up like that and uh, him be filled with the Holy Spirit. And since since that week, uh, our, our attitudes and mindsets have changed. Mine in particular, uh, I've, I've received a passion or a zeal to, to help others like myself and, and spread the word and, and try to encourage to, to go this way, go towards the Lord, keep your eyes on him. And some of the new, newer Christians, some of the guys that have never been to church like myself, I went to like vacation Bible school and stuff, but I think it was just for my parents to get me out of the house. But... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Some of us didn't know what the Bible was talking about or what it said or how to interpret it. Man, I just encourage y'all, stay here, stay the course, and, and answer the call because we all have a calling on our lives or we wouldn't be here. And I, and I, I truly believe that. God is good. Uh, Teen Challenge is amazing. You know, we, we have our human human issues every now and then, but God is good. Thank you, Brother Hank. Thank you, sir. All right. So, I'm closing up, but I did want to uh, share something with you. We are in the process of building a chapel on site. And now this chapel, it, what it's going to do for us, it's, it's going to have a dedicated place on site that's dedicated to the Lord. Right now, our recreation room, our Bible study room, our classroom is all the same room, right? And this chapel that we're constructing is a dedicated place to the Lord. So we're asking that you would pray for us. Pray for us to help finish this chapel. Pray for our students as we go into this week, the week after next, that they, they would really encounter the Lord. And also, if the Lord puts it on your heart, can I see one of those envelopes? To help finish the chapel, we have two ways that you can do that. The first way is you can sponsor one square foot of the chapel for $17. That it's a, it's a 75 times 40 foot building, and one square foot for the cost that we need is $17. So if you want to sponsor one or multiple square feet, you know, we can give you an envelope. It ha you don't have to write a check today. It has a return envelope in there already addressed, and you just drop it in the mail. But also, we're selling chairs. So we're selling the chairs for $250 a piece, and what you get with that is we are dedicating those chairs with a nameplate on the back of them for whoever you would like to dedicate to. If you're interested in either one of those options, you can come see me and get a, a, a green envelope. Again, it has the return envelope already in there. You don't have to write a check today. If you think that you might in the future want one, grab one from us. Uh, there's no pressure. There's no commitment. You know, we're just offering that opportunity because we want to see this chapel finished so that we can have a dedicated space for students to come and encounter the Lord. Thank you so much for allowing us to come and share the ministry today. We love Blue Jean Selma. It's not Blue Jean Church. It's Blue Jean Selma. We love Blue Jean Selma. Thank you so much, bro. We love y'all, Emlyn. It's, uh, it's awesome to see you know, these guys come in and uh, just watch the transformation. Y'all are some of the best people I've ever met. It's crazy. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.